Welcome to the Mind Tales podcast. We're a fast-growing tech mental health startup here to bring you the insights that you need to boost your emotional health and well-being and to thrive in your daily life. It's our goal to make quality mental health both accessible and inclusive. We hope that you enjoy today's episode of the Mind Tales Collective. Welcome to this episode of the Mind Tales Collective. With us today is Jay, the founder of FortiGuard, a UAE-based startup. And yeah, welcome, Jay. How are you today? I'm good. Thank you so much. Having the best time of my life. And thank you for the opportunity. How are you doing? All good. Thank you. Um, so let's start with talking about FortiGuard. What is it that you do exactly? And can, can you tell us more about your entrepreneurial journey? Absolutely. So FortiGuard is on a mission to cool cities. We believe what gets measured gets improved and the best solutions come from the understanding of data. We're outdoor temperature experts and we're building a machine learning cloud-based capability so we can monetize existing granular data of temperature, obviously, and provide um, proprietary analytics to our clients. Wow, that's so important and such a big mission you're on. How did you come up? Yeah, with I guess it's a little bit different than what you see today. And mm -hmm. it's also very ambitious. So we know that it's a little bit more difficult than uh, others pursuing um, their activities, but we're really committed to the mission where we can really enable data at scale and provide it to everyone well, probably to the fingertips of every single either consumer or enterprise. So in the future, they will be able to uh, make their own decisions when it comes to the not only temperatures outdoor, but also the environment and what would be the best sustainable way for them to interact with their cities or build them to become more resilient. Yeah, and I believe uh, it's so important and it will give you a lot of motivation because you're doing something that is so important for society and the environment and yeah. And there's well, effectively, it has to do with people's lives. Yes. Um, the climate really impacts um, a lot of not only necessarily our health, but with some emergencies happening and sometimes becoming a pandemic, um, we really need um, to be careful about what solutions we have to prevent um, crisis from happening when it comes to the climate. And we can um, probably save people's lives if we understand temperatures and the climate very well and build cities in a way that makes them, um, like I said earlier, a lot more resilient for uh, people to find not only comf uh, comfort, but also uh, prevent them from danger. Um, it is uh, the biggest driver today when it comes to climate change is temperature. Mm -hmm. And um, we know that the climate is changing rapidly and we can see it and we can feel it. And it's not something that you can ignore, although it's becoming a cliche sometime where it went politically to an extreme that is now we're lost between the other extreme of the um, emergencies happening all over the globe. And um, that's for regards mission is that we really want to build a measurement tool at scale with a lot of accuracy and a lot of granularity. So we can provide data to the market, to people. And then this data, instead of lobbying for what is right or wrong, data can't be ignored. Yeah. And it will guide the decisions for everyone to make the right choices 
and prevent or secure or uh, make sure that they um, have healthier environments outdoors, not only for them, but also for the future of their kids and the generations to come. Yeah, and you can try to fight bias and fake news, like the impact is so much larger because as you said, data cannot be denied or ignored. And it's so important because like, it's really a race against time at the moment and we do not have a lot of time left. And you were speaking about resilience, um, making cities more resilient. This, resilient. this is also related to entrepreneurship and your mental resilience. And you were a founder before, you started three different projects and you failed. So what did you do in order to keep yourself motivated after this failure? And what, what is it, um, what does failure even mean to you? So I did start my first uh, company uh, at the age of 21. And um, after a year and a half in the business, I was massively in love with the business, the idea and the team that I was working with. Um, but unfortunately for um, market reasons, we couldn't sustain the business and then um, had to shut it down. Even back then, the term startups um, did not even exist um, Uh, when we started this in the region. Mm -hmm. And um, then we started an e-commerce uh, back in 2017 and um, also failed miserably. And at that time, even walked out of the startup with a lot of debt. Mm -hmm. um, so not only that we had to lose the business, but also deal with the commitments that we had for our suppliers, clients, and even our employees. And it is difficult um, mentally, it is difficult. And um, uh, you spend a lot of times and efforts to build something, you just see it vanish and yeah. um, probably one day. I, one of the things that I experienced is firing 21 people at the same time, and it, same day, and it wasn't easy. So uh, sometimes you really need to have that mental strength that not only that you need to have it, but you also need to um, make sure that others are also aware of it and they have it too, so they can deal with the circumstances as a team when um, things are not going well. Yeah, I did fail before. And I think this is um, what brought me to who I am today. And um, the culture that we built at 40 Card, it is all about resilience, uh, just like mm -hmm. you said, the question. Um, and it's also about building um, a mental control exercise where you can deal with the difficulties, understand what can be prevented, um, plan very well for um, what can you uh, uh, mitigate and make sure that you're building a very strong um, team in order for them to build a strong um, startup and a strong technology. I always say that we built a team to build a company and the company built the technology. So we didn't start by building the technology. We started by building um, the team. A lot of startups tend to ignore the importance of culture and having a clear vision from the beginning is uh, very important. Commonly, a lot of startups begin with an idea and focus on building the technology while probably generating a lot of revenue to prove that they have enough traction for them to fundraise and so on and so forth. Earlier to starting for Regard, we spent like literally tremendous time learning about what is our vision. 
And we really wanted to understand as well, how can we bring more clarity to our journey? There's a path that we're going to take and we want to make sure that everyone is aligned to the objectives that we're going to be achieving at the end. And, and um, we knew a lot about our tribe, but we really lacked the, also the guidance. So it was very difficult for us at the beginning to articulate um, our vision in a way that um, everyone can understand. And it's suitable for a startup to kick off, start, and find direction and structure for it to be put into place, um, aligning with the objectives that it has to um, achieve. Um, so we, we started by building the culture. We started by building a team who speaks to the culture and building it themselves. Um, so not only that it, we planned for it, but it also happened organically from within where we had to all sit together and decide with one another what would be our values. What is it that you guys, we were 10 when we started, we're still the same 10 people after uh, three years. We really wanted to understand, guys, what values you'd like to have as you would pursue this journey. Mm -hmm. And of course, this is what helped us speak to our not only mission, but also vision. Um, yeah. Improving people's lives is not something that you can just claim and um, um, build the technology and just um, assume that people would resonate with it. No, you need to scale the, um, the uh, achievement of uh, or the measurement of you achieving your, uh, your vision by the scale of people feeling of health. And that's where we designed our technology in a way that we don't just provide you with the data as a client, but we also provide you with the analysis to understand what is the problem. We provide you with the insights so you can fix the problem. And then we come later and we um, enhance or measure the enhancements for our clients so they can know what they have achieved the, uh, against certain KPIs and ROIs. Mm -hmm. and and it's probably very important is that with every client that for regards work with, we insist, even if the clients don't ask, on delivering an impact report. And the whole report is about people's comfort. So we always tell the client about what is the situation today when it comes to humans, whether that is operational or an urban area or an outdoor or a city exercise. But then we tell them that if you implement those insights or if you take those actions, technically, you will be able to improve people's health by this X amount. So again, mm -hmm. we really measure the success by the scale of people feeling of health and make sure that all of that is speaking to the values that we put for the company since the start. And I kid you not, um, Jen, we came across a lot of opportunities where, and I know investors won't be happy with this statement, we could have made money by doing something that is probably very good for um, our urban structures, but mm -hmm. wouldn't be good for the environment or the people. And because we drive or we build everything packed by this science that we understand um, from it, what is actually good for people, we sometimes ignored all of those possible means for us to monetize and generate or make revenue out of and only focused on areas that it does generate better OPEX, it does optimize better CAPEX, it does bring um, profitable ROIs, but it does as well um, enhance people's health and lives.
Yeah, so, so I'm curious now, what are the values, the 10 values that your team agreed on? I guess transparency is one, like it sounded like that, because you have um, it's, it's not necessarily transparency, which is a very nice word to use, to be honest. Um, <laughs> so we, we worked with um, seven values. Okay. One is innovation. And um, the reason why we put innovation first is the enhancement of existing functionalities. Those functionalities won't be enhanced or used unless uh, the second value is people. So we have something that is probably going to drive you to the next question. By people, for people. We're people too. The team here is people. Those are not computers. The people are uh, the ones who are building the technology. They can control how they can build it. And the ones that we're delivering the technology to, whether they're clients, investors, um, government representatives, or even the community themselves, or the citizens, um, they are people. So by people for people, this is our second value is people. And third is integrity. Mm -hmm. If you're dealing with people, then you really need to make sure that everything you deal with comes with integrity. And that's one of the drivers in the way that we build our technology. Because if you go back to my uh, introductory about Fortigard, I told you that we deal with granular data. And this is one of our value propositions. And when you come down to granularity, you come down to accuracy. And when you come down to accuracy, although with the difficulties that comes with that, which is probably excellence, but you still deliver something that comes with integrity because there is no ambiguity in it. Um, there is no uncertainty. This is 100% or probably close to 100% accurate. And the data, again, like you said, um, can't lie. Yeah. The fourth one is collaboration. You can't build things on your own. You have to build it with others. And this is one of the reasons why I failed earlier, by the way. Mm -hmm. I wanted to do things on my own. I thought I was wrong. I was right. But I, of course, I was wrong. Um, I thought that I can build things on my own. And if I stick to my vision, probably I'm going to become the next Steve Jobs. That was a big mistake. You can't be. You have to work with others. You have to find a team who is there to tell you no, who's there to question why are you doing this and to ask you why and probably not agree with anything that you're doing because they don't see that this is either matching the values that they have in the company or the technology that they want to bring to the market. So you really need to work in collaboration with others. And the um, fifth value is excellence. We are big on working or delivering things with the detail required to make sure that this is a very good product especially when you have a small team and especially that you're dealing with something that has to do eventually with people's lives, you really want to make sure that you bring your technology and you bring your activities and exercise um, down to the details by exercising on excellence. Mm -hmm. And the sixth um, discipline or uh, sorry, the value is discipline. We know that it's a journey. We know that it's a very difficult journey and I can't tell you, Jen, how mm -hmm. difficult it is. And sometimes it gets really exhausting. I mean, physically and even mentally, but without the discipline that we wanted to um, embed in our day-to-day -day activities and making sure that we're working um, 
tirelessly to, uh, to bring our technology to market and make sure that it's as good as it can be so we can really um, make an usable and effective solution. Um, without discipline, all of this won't be a possibility. And the seventh one, and I'll conclude here, is the value of um, potential. So yeah. potential comes from delivering our natural best. Okay. You, you can't measure people's, uh, people by KPIs. Like, uh, I, I really can't put a figure for you and tell you that you can be as successful as you can be by working eight hours a day for five days a week or giving you that incentive or providing you with that income or whatever. Mm -hmm. All of those things are probably important. And putting the work and the hours is also important. But if you don't work with people who are there to deliver their natural best mm -hmm. and see you first delivering your natural best, then probably anything that I told you earlier about all of those values is questionable. Yeah. So, so we really need to work with people who believe in delivering their natural best. So we can accomplish all of those values um, being practically um, implemented. Mm -hmm. This already linked to many questions. Um, I guess when we talk about job performance, you already said like it's so important that uh, your employees have intrinsic motivation and believe in the mission. And then, you know, perform their natural best as you called it. So this is how you can optimize their job performance. Um, but do you have any other insights, something that has worked for you when it comes to monitoring or measuring your team's performance? I mean, eventually, uh, there are tasks and responsibilities that are distributed across people's responsibilities or um, activities that they do in the, in the company. And um, measuring all of those when you are a small team is probably the easiest thing that you can ever do because you're living with everyone, you know what everyone is doing and um, you're kind of um, um, living their day-to-day, -day, let's say deliverables and, um, and, and, uh, um, and work activities. When we establish the values that we have in the company, we we're very much thinking for ourselves um, first. And we do recognize that the company is made by us and for us. So regardless how we are going to perform our work, we need to make sure that this is um, not only something that we can make, but it's also something that we want to be part of. And there is a possibility for us um, to deliver by extending our performance a little bit Uh, or a step-by-step -step every day until we um, uh, ensure delivering something. And um, we, we really took um, a special care when it comes to making sure that our team is very much performing um, strongly as a unit while having enough diversity so we can improve not only decision-making quality, but also the, let's say, um, the fun and the... the um, the life balance that we have in the company coming every day, going every um, day in, day out, like we say, and enjoying um, the moment and, 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 and all of that. So it's not also necessary that we measure the performance of the team by the performance of the individual. We literally measure the performance of the team 
by the delivery of the company and the performance of each of those teams working together when they're small teams and again we're just 10 people right but i think what's really important jen and i come across this with a lot of other founders um not necessarily only at hub 71 but everywhere is that every performance is probably there to measure uh, or to perform on results right like the, so you do perf you perform so you can deliver and that is called results but we don't understand most of the times most of the time the layers before we get to the results we, so we start with performance and that's wrong in my view I think that a lot of companies need to focus first, like I just um, started with, the guiding path and the driving path. Mm -hmm. And usually in every company, the guiding path should be, and this is a structure that we have at 40 Yeah. One, culture, establishing it very well, then values, and third, assumptions and beliefs, and fourth, the behavior. Those are one um, let's say, column that has to do with the guiding path. On the other side, the driving path should be that you have a very clear vision, then you have a strategy in place. This strategy has goals, which are, again, objectives, and all of that are or is measured by activities. And then between the guiding path and the driving path, you would have all of your performance and all of your results. Mm -hmm. Do you know, Jen, why is this important? Because startups, they do start small. And when you're small, everything is easy. Yeah. But then when you grow, everything becomes difficult. Yeah. So it's not only that you embedded leadership mentality in your team to manage the future teams that you're going to be onboarding um, uh, within your business or to come and complement your vision, but you're also putting a structure in place that makes people think about the longer vision, the yeah. long-term activity. So it's not that Jen today came and she performed, but she didn't perform to the day expectation. No, mm -hmm. Jen came and she performed, but she performed to the expectation of how much she can contribute to her team and how much she can contribute to the company. And did we deliver a product? And is the company doing well today? Mm -hmm. That is a bigger purpose. And it's not measured by, again, day-to-day -day activities, although that you have to come day in, day out and yeah. make sure that everything is, um, is productive. But again, um, the measurement has nothing to do with the performance. I think it's more of having a clear understanding of your guiding path and your driving path in your company's vision roadmap. Yeah, and it also uh, comes down to communication. You mentioned this before, it's important to have feedback because you might be working on something, but there's a blind spot, you know, something that is not known to you, but to others. So it's very important to also have open communication, feedback, but it's a two-way street, you know? I can't. Manager. That's true. I can't agree more. Um, communication, like many say, is probably the number one priority. Um, for sometimes leaders to have and also the company to exercise on. Um, mm -hmm. We're humans, we have ears and we communicate um, in means that allows us to um, understand the messages that we're trying uh, to have the recipient either um, receive or the communicator um, 
be prepared to ask or um, communicate. And if you really don't practice or master even communication, then it's going to become very difficult to articulate your vision, your mission, your objectives, your strategy, um, your even results. So you might be working very well. You might be achieving tremendously um, productively uh, among all uh, the members and your team, but you don't know how to communicate that. And if you don't, or the team that you work with doesn't know how to communicate your performance, then we are facing a problem because there's a misunderstanding. And then you get into um, a lot of um, things that really disappoint you. And you really don't want to get into that disappointment. You want to be appreciated. You want to do the work that people find meaningful. They understand and they uh, uh, sometimes appreciate your um, contribution. I might pay you a very big salary, but I don't appreciate your contribution. And probably in a very short period of time, with that incentive is gone, or when you find a better incentive, you're just going to leave me, right? Yeah. So I need to make sure that the communication of me appreciating you and your work and your contribution and the team around you doing the same with you and you doing the same with others is probably very crucial for the startup to um, not only start, but also um, continue and persevere and, and grow and scale also um, as fast as possible. Yeah, and it also takes time to implement the work processes within the company, you know, it's not, you just get it right. You have to communicate, you have to try things. You talked about how team develop, uh, the team develops. It's not like a linear process. And, you know, until you perform, there's also a storming phase before, and there might be some conflict and everybody's trying their roles, but it takes time to move into performing. So yeah, it's overall a learning process that everybody has to be open to. I think. And we mentioned how difficult the journey can be. You mentioned that you have to be very persistent. So when it gets tough, what do you do to make sure that you maintain your work life balance? Um, let me talk about the tough part and then the work life balance. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. So one thing I learned from my failures before is that do not centralize decision making. And make sure that when you build a team, everyone in your team is possibly can become a CEO. Mm -hmm. And this is a very bold statement that probably some people would find as a cliche. Um, but we really make sure that, um, again, if I'm not here, the company is running super well. Mm -hmm. And if there is a high or a big delegation coming or someone who has to do a presentation or even pitch to an investor or um, discuss, um, I don't know, a job, uh, a business proposal with a client, the team has the capability, even the diversity as well, but the capability to, to do that. And again, that's why I say um, we want to decentralize the fact that you're reliant on someone and make sure that everyone in your team is possibly a CEO. So they have the skills required, whether they're soft or hard, to... Um, perform the activity. So you said um, crisis um, and the difficult part. We, one of the things that we recognized is that um, usually um, a crisis follows a very um, uh, predictable pattern. Mm -hmm. And of course, each one can be unique, but you really need to make sure that even within the team, we do understand our crisis playbook, I call it. 
So we need to make sure that we have um, the response required and the information updated in terms of how we can deal with those processes and systems if they happen in uh, place and how we can, uh, I would call it configure a practice for us to deal with um, the challenges that we are facing and develop the resistance uh, as you talked about it at the beginning in terms of what action plans are required and how the communication is going to be approached between the all of us of all of us mm -hmm. and to make sure that we have a structure in place to seek even opportunities where we don't deal with those um, challenges as an offensive um, exercise but also something that we find as a place for us to probably um, um, profit from and take as a chance um, where we could um, grow the business or um, train ourselves to deal with hard and difficult um, circumstances. Mm -hmm. And that's why one of the things, Jen, that we did at 40 Guard is um, uh, setting objectives. And one of them, or the fifth one actually, is called learning and growth. Mm -hmm. And in learning and growth, we wanted to make sure that we improve reporting, we do things with transparency and make sure that we optimize control, just like I talked about it at the beginning, um, decentralizing all of that um, decision-making process so everyone feels that they have the space and the understanding on how they can um, make internal decisions recognizing by themselves the standards and the techniques required for them to make those um, calls. But also, we made sure from the beginning that we built a cult-like culture mm -hmm. and make sure that all of that cult-like culture performance is high-performing within the team. And that is probably not a very common exercise because if you're looking for someone to work for you, usually you look for the skills before you look for the culture and yeah. making sure that they fit. We do both. And sometimes, and I kid you not, and again, the investors won't be happy if they hear this, <laughs> I sometimes turn down really applications for um, when I was, for instance, hiring a CTO. I probably found a better CEO than the one that we hired but culturally, I or we, as it was a decision by four, mm -hmm. couldn't feel that this was a better fit. Yeah. And again, that's why we say we're building a cult-like culture. We want people to be the same as us because this is who we are. Again, same as us is not same as us, how we dress and how we talk and how we uh, believe and how we eat. No, same as us in terms of the values that we stand for and the, and the, and the resilience that we have and the performance that we keep um, uh, building uh, 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 within. And also, just like I told you earlier, developing leadership abilities and making sure that we have the potential um, within uh, the team. So if we're hiring for positions that we don't have, uh, or we do have the skills from within, but they require someone to probably evolve themselves a little bit and we want to take the chance on them, we would take it internally instead of hiring someone externally to join the team. Eventually, again, if you are a startup, you're a small team, you're growing, you're going to hire from the outside. Mm -hmm. And that's for you to compromise and make sure that you understand who you're hiring for and are you growing 
um, the community that you've built from the beginning very well or not, and what is required for you to build it. Yeah. And um, I'll conclude here because I know my answers are sometimes um, too much, <laughs> no, it's, too it's much true. long. No, but, no. Um, fourth is to make sure that you attract and retain and profit from the best people. So sometimes there are people who are great. It could be myself working for a company and I know that I can do more, but I'm not doing it. And it's not because I'm not taking the initiative to do it. I'm thinking that the company that I work for is not utilizing my skills in order for me to perform to my best or to my natural best. And again, that's again where we try to focus, making sure that we attract, retain, but also profit from the best people that we either hire or um, work with. Yeah. Okay, do you have one quick mental health advice before we conclude? How to maintain a good mental health? I read once a book that uh, almost changed my life called Stop Worrying and Start Living by mm -hmm. Dale Carnegie. And my dad recommended the book to me. He first asked me to read another book called How to Win Friends and Influence People, something like mm -hmm. that. And it's funny that in order for you to stop worrying, uh, the easiest way is to keep yourself busy. So uh, he didn't say do yoga or uh, find, uh, um, you know, a peaceful or quiet place for you to um, isolate for five minutes and then come back to work. He really asked you to keep yourself busy. Sometimes mental health um, is a mental exercise that you can do by keeping yourself mentally occupied with the right things. And instead of looking for um, a medicine to, or a solution to treat mental health, make mm -hmm. sure that you're following the right cause for you to have the best mental practices. And that really allows you to um, be always in mental control. Um, my, if I don't call it advice, I don't, don't like to advise, but recommendation is make sure that you're doing things for the right purpose and you're working for the right cause mm -hmm. and do not lie to yourself. So yeah. don't join a team saying that I am doing this for a very good purpose, but you don't believe in it. And you go to bed and you understand that you're lying. Don't yeah. do that. Yeah. Do something that you truly believe in. And if you don't, um, don't tell me that you're dealing with mental health. Yeah. Deal with your purpose. And the second thing would be emotional intelligence. I mean, we're not all the same. Definitely, we were born in different environment and we all... Um, been treated by different parents and we had different experiences and so on and so forth. But emotional intelligence really allows you to kind of um, become someone who is different than others and have the ability to deal with a lot of circumstances. Most of them are difficult ones. Be in control in um, the way that you behave and the uh, difficulties that you face and how you can navigate through them, um, as well as uh, making sure that um, you're always maintaining the clarity that is required in order for you to make the 
right decisions, deal with the right people, and be at the right places at the right time. So two things are probably where I would suggest people look at in order for them to um, uh, develop mental health. And of course, there are other things. They could be medical things, and everyone could have a different um, you know, exercise or a different problem or a different challenge that really requires further attention, not just reading a book, right? But um, I arguably say, in my view and the experience that I had, and it is very much humble experience, so I wouldn't advise you <laughs> um, look into uh, my recommendation and follow, but um, again, I think it's all about uh, making sure that you're having a good purpose that you very much believe in and follow, and you are very much in control of your emotional intelligence with the skills required in order for you to navigate the difficult times. Yeah, makes so much sense. Um, I think that was all, all my questions were answered in detail, and this was very insightful, and I'm sure our listeners will learn a lot from you. And Hope to speak to you again soon. And thank you so much for sharing. It's an absolute pleasure, Jen. Thank you so much. I have a huge uh, admiration for Mindtails and your team and uh, what you guys are building and how you're impacting the community and the future plans that you have as well. And I'm also proud that we are both out of Hub 71 um, working here within the ecosystem and really evolving since we started. So thank you so much for giving me the chance to talk to you. And um, I look forward to see uh, what Mindtails and uh, um, the, the work that you're doing is going to change a lot of people's lives. Thank you. Thank you. Same to you. Take care. Thanks for tuning in today. If you liked this episode or if you have any questions or comments, let us know. You can connect with us on Instagram at MindTalesOfficial. It makes us so happy to hear from the MindTales community and we hope to see you next time. Stay safe.